Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. This is John Goldman. You're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country. That's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Happy to uh, invite today uh, the Bergamot, that's uh, Jillian Spies and her husband, Nathaniel Hoff. Uh, they are uh, from around the area, from South Bend, and they've been on the show. This will be the third time that they've been on the show. They have just uh, recently, in the last six months, released the um, the documentary called The Unity that they've been uh, working on for about six years. And they are going to be, um, uh, it's going to be played at the Acorn Theater on Thursday, uh, July 14th. And they're going to do a little show, and then I'm going to do a little Q&A with them afterwards. Uh, so really very much looking forward to talking with them today and uh, finding out what their latest adventures have been all about. And in the meantime, I'm going to play you this song. This is Breakdown. This is their latest song from the Bergamot. Uh, and uh, looking forward again to seeing their movie State of Unity playing at the Acorn Theater. Here they go.
Well, all right. That was uh, the Bergamot, Jillian Spies, Nathaniel Hoff playing their brand new single, Breakdown. And uh, uh, looking forward to talking with them in just a few minutes. Just wanted to mention that Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Kara's Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Kara's Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at karascottages.com. That's Kara's and Cottages with a K. Yep. All right, I'm here. I'm welcoming uh, Nathaniel Hoff and Jillian Spies, who make up the Bergamot, from, uh, originally from South Bend, Indiana. And uh, they are coming back home to display their, their documentary, which has won a bunch of different awards. I can't wait to hear more about that called State of Unity, and uh, it's going to be playing at the Acorn Theater on Thursday the 14th, along with a little mini acoustic concert, I think. And then uh, the three of us are going to have a chance to talk after the movie about uh, all your fun exploits and you know all kinds of things about the movie. So... Uh, uh, so where, and I think you're also playing at, um, the Three Oaks Dewey Cannon Park, uh, playing music in the park, uh, this Saturday, the 16th. So you've got a lot yeah. of stuff coming up this weekend. Uh, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and this is your third time on the show. Thanks again. That's, uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. You're always a pleasure to talk with. Um, so anyway, thank you. (laughs) It's, it's a joy being on the show. (laughs) Oh yeah. Thank you. So, uh, um, state of unity. And, uh, so I know that you guys were in the Sedona film festival and I want to say the Richmond, Virginia film festival. What were some of the other ones that you, uh, were had the movie in? Yeah. So we um, we had it. We premiered at the Sedona International Film Festival, where we won the uh, Excellence in Filmmaking Award at the premiere, wow. which was pretty amazing. Yeah. We had no idea that that was going to happen. And then after that, we um, had it at the Paris Independent Film Festival, where it won the Best Documentary. Uh, oh wow! That one, and then um, and then we won Best Directors at DocuFest. And then recently we were at the Richmond International Film Festival and it won the uh, Artistic Pioneer Award. And then we just announced today that we got accepted to the Montauk uh, Film Festival out in Long Island. Oh, wow. So so it's been busy. Yeah. You know, just... Outstanding. Well, that's uh, great. Thank you. (laughs) And have you been playing along the way as well? I mean, I know you came out with a a new, a new um, single, the breakdown. Um, But have and so uh, have you been playing along the way as well? Yeah, we have. We actually, it's pretty. It's been a pretty cool year so far because we did our first three month tour that just ended like two weeks ago it, from New York and Cleveland, but we started in California, in Arizona, California, all the way across the country and then ended it between New York. And then the last night was in Cleveland. So it was the first tour back in 2020 when the world shut down. So it's been pretty oh, cool yeah. because as we've been touring, we've been able to show the film at all these film festivals around the world. And, and then as, at the same time, you know, we've gotten the film State of the Unity into about 19 plus film festivals for screenings that have happened that are going on from Brazil to uh, California, I mean, everywhere. And you get to travel to all these film festivals to be present for the movie, don't you? Yeah, so we, we'd go to as many as we possibly can. It gets a little <laughs> tricky because um, some of the places it's showing in, like we, so how this tour has been is we have our booking agent in L.A. booking it, and he booked it about six, seven months ago, so those dates were locked in, and then film festivals were coming in on top of it, so we've had to reroute a few different shows but we, it's been so wild. We've, we've gone to as many as we can. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been so cool. 
Yeah, truly. And I mean, even like um, the one uh, the one in Montauk, that is uh, actually out in the Hamptons. So we're hoping that will be our first time ever out in Long Island. So, you know, we do the best that we can. And, and you can only uh, you can only plan out so much because so much of the film and the film festival circuit is kind of momentum based. Uh-huh. Also, uh, you know, you're putting yourself out there just night after night and, uh, you know, and managing all the, 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 the festival submissions. And so it's a bit of a process, but, you know, we've just been so blessed that it's taken off and that people are really resonating with the message of the film. Um, and really the, uh, you know, the premise behind it. I mean, we started it six and a half years ago. I mean, we didn't know what the world was going to look like to come today and how relevant a, a film about uniting people and going to all 50 states with music, with basically a guitar and an old car. Um, but it seems that, yeah. that that is uh, more relevant now than ever before. And I think people are really, um, they really demand and are desiring um, unique and interesting ways of bringing people back to the table and remembering that it's the humanity that unites us. It's the human heart, the human desire for a better world, a better country. Um, but we learned a lot along the way, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into all of that. Yeah. Uh, so when you are applying for an entry into one of these film festivals, is there a uniform application? Is uh, are things a little different for each film festival? You know what what's your, been your experience with that? Yeah. So you know, yeah, John, I let you. Uh, do you want to take this one? Yeah, um, I was just going to say, as far as the film festival application goes, there is a website called film freeway and all of these different film festivals around the world will put their film festival up and say hey you got this open submission and then you know as an artist you pay anywhere from a hundred dollars to forty dollars or more and then you submit your film in with all of your accolades and you just you know you're submitting just for one film festival to give you an idea like the richmond international film festival there are over 3,000 submissions that you're vying for a spot uh-huh. at the film festival. So that's just one festival. So it's the competition is insane. It's, like, really intense. And we just feel really blessed that as much as we've submitted in, we've gotten just overwhelming positive feedback about the message in film. And our film is truly independent and people have called us indie darlings because <laughs> we, we bootstrapped this film man yeah. <laughs> it was like oh my gosh but um but it's resonating because it's authentic and it's it's we're reaching people with this message of unity and a new vision of peace moving forward together and during a time when we're seeing a lot of hate and disruption and chaos in our world unfolding and people are looking for answers and we try to give people hope and answer. Right. Now, are you competing against other documentaries in your categories or, um, or is it separated out? You know, how does, how do these film festivals work? Yeah. So, um, it's actually a really great question because one of the things that's made our journey so unique and interesting um, as far as the ascent of the documentary is that ours is a feature length documentary, um, which is a, it has an 88 minute runtime. Uh-huh. Um, that is what is considered a feature length film. Um, and so, you know, that's actually considered the hardest bar to clear, um, in, in filmmaking in general, uh, either it be a feature film or a documentary film of feature length. And so, you know, when we first started making this film, I don't think we, we really knew what we were getting into. Right. You're just like, but, let's just turn on those cameras. Let's go. <laughs> we're just like, hey, yeah. know. Like, what's a short film? We don't even know. And so we're very lucky in the way that actually the feature-length um, feature films and also documentary full feature-length are the most difficult to be accepted to the film festivals because they only select a very few uh, that can make it into the festival because of the limited um, uh, limited showcases uh-huh. that are allowed. So um, that's who we're competing against. And those, and this is kind of the wild part about it. I mean, we're competing with every production studio in the country, uh, big name projects, yeah. uh, big studio projects who have, you know, unlimited budgets. Um, and so 
you know, we're completing the documentary section. Um, the feature film is also a big part of, you know, the studios are producing films and, you know, uh, producers and also famous actors who become producers or, you know, or directors are directing films. And so we're competing against really anybody who's made a film in the last two years. So wow. okay. um, it's very, very competitive. And uh, we've just been so lucky that that we've had, you know, a, such a great success with it. And um, but, you know, that ultimately just kind of speaks to uh, the idea of what the film is. And, um, you know, this idea that um, there's a better world out there. And, 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 you know, I mean, it's the film kind of goes on this journey of two people with an idea to go out and, you know, unite people through, you know, music community and collaboration to make a film about it. And we thought, oh, how difficult can this be? Um, it really becomes a story about, you know, it really becomes this, this real struggle of human empathy, human perseverance, um, people lifting each other up, um, you know, all these things, because any great journey, you know, it's not, you're not living, we're not living in isolation. So when you go out and you put yourself out into the world, um, you're going to encounter others. And so others lifted us up along the way. And we hope that we're able to lift others through the film um, and its message. And I just think that we're hitting a time right now where it's really uh, relevant. When you go to these film festivals, do you get to watch some of the other films that you're pitted against? And, you know, what kind of, what did you think of some of those other films? So we do get to watch the films <laughs> that were pitted against, but you know, what's so funny is, um, in the film world, other filmmakers who have gone through the journey to make a feature-length film or even shorts, we all became friends. So we're all rooting each other on because we all know how difficult nice. it was to just get selected. So just getting selected into a film festival is success yeah. because you're literally up against thousands of films. And so just to get that, like, hey, congratulations, State of the Unity was just selected for Montuck Film Festival. We get that email in our email. We, like, every time we, like, scream, we're like, yay, we, we did it. Yeah, and then, then we travel there, and it's just, like, such a jubilee of all these different creative artists from all over the world coming together, and we're all in, you know, community and so we're rooting each other on and you know when it gets to the award part no i don't know i, I don't think i think everyone's very humble you i don't uh -huh. know anybody who goes in the awards thinking oh well, i'm gonna win like uh -huh. you, you're just happy to be there and then right. when you win you're like oh my gosh i can't believe i won and you cheer everybody on yeah yeah have you uh gotten yeah. to uh, meet you know any other filmmakers that you've developed you know friendships with at this point yeah, absolutely. We've, um, you know, first off, I was going to say all the films, most of the films that we've gone to have been absolutely fantastic. Films about, uh, you know, um, there's one called A Crack in the Mountain that is about uh, this uh, cave that was discovered in Vietnam. And it's uh, we met the director, Alistair, and we've become really good friends with him. The funny thing that we laughed about, we met in Sedona. And the funny thing that we <laughs> laughed about was that his film took six and a half years to complete as well. So we were like, no way. <laughs> you know, like we both started this journey like late 2015 or early 2016. And, um, and just an incredible body of work that he put together over the six years. You know, his involved, you know, basically going to a part of the planet that just was recently discovered in the last, I don't know, 10 years. And yeah, uh, really? And so it was, it was cool that remote that it yeah. was it's that remote and that far off in the Vietnam, it's a cave and it's, um, uh, it's just, it's called a crack in the mountain. I'm sure it'll be probably in the next year available on, you know, streaming services. It's an incredible film, incredible uh, idea, but we also got a chance to, um, a good friend of ours, miles did a feature length film called Albatross. And, uh, that film will be coming out this fall. And we got a chance to sit with him and talk about, he was at the screening of our documentary and really loved it. And, it was just fun to kind of pick his brain because he comes from the feature length world, which is like, you know, that's a very different world than documentaries. Feature length is very much budgets and planning and scripting and <laughs> all the details of, you know, making sure the film looks amazing and color coding and all that stuff. And we come from the documentary, which is, you know, a lot of times just a shoot from the hip type uh, filming. 
And um, but I think that that's kind of the fun part of it is that, you know, it's fun to watch feature length films because we all know so many and that we all love them. You know, I think of a lot of the feature length films. I love Lord of the Rings and Happy Gilmore well, or whatever. You know, there's so <laughs> many good ones. And uh, but I also love a lot of documentaries um, and it's a totally different part of the brain. I think it engages. And so it was really cool to meet how these different people, um, you know, these different people from all over there, they're making these films and we're all kind of working together, but yet there's a lot that, that inter, inter, you know, interconnects us through our, through our journey in the, in the process. And, and I do want to say something real quick. When, when Nathaniel's talking about a feature length film, so he's talking about feature length narrative films because our documentary is also considered a feature-length film, but it's a feature-length documentary. So right. a narrative is like... You mean like a, a, a fictional film or... Based, exactly. Yeah, it's written, yep. it's yep. Uh, got a, um, a script behind it and all that. Yep. And you guys Actors. just... Actors, yep. Yeah, I mean, you guys had an idea, and then you just started yeah. filming, basically. You had this idea yeah. to, to uh, take this car and, and do a certain number of... Uh, of uh, uh, of shows over a you know period of time, and you filmed it all. And uh, how did you know you know when to stop filming? For instance, so that's a good question because the initial goal was to tour to all fifty states during the twenty sixteen election period, performing over two hundred and sixty two concerts in over two hundred cities. Wow! So. It, it took us eight months to properly complete that tour, and we ended the tour. We started the tour in New York City, and we ended the tour in South Bend, Indiana, our hometown, by doing a massive benefit concert for Memorial Children's Hospital for them to help them bring on their first ever music therapist. And it was so cool to, to end that tour back in our hometown yeah. where everything started when we met in high school and fell in love and created music from here before we moved to New York. So we essentially shut the cameras off Hello? in February of 2017. So we started filming in 2015 uh -huh. pre, like as we were prepping, because we we're like, well, we're going to make a documentary, so we should get some behind the scenes beginning, like planning stuff. And then we filmed for the eight months during 2016, starting January 2nd and then ending October 22nd. And then we picked up the camera again, uh, for, to get some conclusional pieces in 2017 as kind of things in America were shifting. So it was pretty wild. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it all stopped at, um, the election that resulted in Trump becoming president, which, I think that most people yeah. didn't expect that to happen. And so, yeah. you know, maybe even your your message changed after that election result. You know, it's interesting because what we like to say is in 2015, everybody was having a party in America. Like no one was thinking about too much. And it was just like things were pretty good. But we had done a tour that took us all over America in 2015. And we were like, man, things kind of are feeling a little bit off. Uh -huh. People are like, you know, when you're considered like a troubadour touring musicians, we reality hop. So we're one day we're in one city, the next day we're in another city and we're talking to thousands of people. And we just kind of got a sense that something was, something was going on <laughs> like before people yeah. really were piecing things together. And that's when Nathaniel came up with the idea, and I'll let him talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things, you know, getting back to your question about, uh, you know, the message changing um, after the Trump election, I think that the key for us was we wanted to go out because in 2015 we had felt something. We wanted to capture that thing that we were feeling. In and I think that what we captured during that cycle we weren't really you know we were trying to focus on the human element of what was happening to people in the country at the time we wanted to kind of listen to where they were at we wanted to listen to you know let them kind of speak their minds and also try to take this message from city to city and so the thing was was that we stayed very intentionally non-political 
um, because we were very focused on the people and we wanted this to be a movie about the people of America um, yeah. and, and, and their beliefs and how they, you know, can be united, how there are things that unite us regardless of political party. Um, and so I think that when you watch the film now, now that we know what happened in 2016, we've seen what's happened over the last six and a half years and the pandemic and just division and so much has, you know, happened in this country over the last six years that, um, you know, the message that, that I think that you come away with from the film is when you watch it, you, you just see that there was this thing that we were talking about in the beginning of the film you get a chance to really see it come to fruition. Um, and I think that when you see the film, you're not surprised that, you know, things happen the way that they did, but it's, you know, we're trying to show a more grassroots um, perspective on the country as opposed to saying, oh, you know, everybody feels this way or speaking in generalities. We were trying to kind of address the nuance of, of people and their beliefs and their feelings and trying to let them share their ideas of what moving together into the future and moving forward is. But at the same time, I mean, you can feel that there was energy at the RNC that year. And, and, you know, it just, there was a lot of, you know, things going on that were just kind of like, we didn't really know what we were doing, but we stepped right into it. And once we did, you know, you can see in the film that it was like, Oh wow, there's, you know, things were happening. Um, so it was a scary time. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think that the film does a good job of just kind of speaking to that. And, um, you know, we try to keep true to that, keep true to this, the, the human part of it, the human journey, the human struggle that we're all going through. And, um, and, you know, we're going to go through tough times as we have. And, uh, and I think that the film kind of speaks to both of those things at the same time. And Jillian, sounds like you were going to say something there. Yeah. I was going to add something to that, that I think is important because ultimately when people are watching the film, and I think the reason why it's really resonating is because we did stay so in the center. So when we were filming and when we were asking people questions, those questions didn't change based off of somebody's political line. Those right. questions stayed the same. And the question I would ask as I was filming was, what does unity mean to you? And these are people from all walks of life, all backgrounds, all religions, non-religious, um, everything from the political spectrum. And I think the biggest thing that was powerful about that is that when you give somebody a thought to marinate on and then asking them to use their voice for something that's positive, whether it's, hey, what does peace mean to you? What does unity mean to you? How would you like to move this country forward in a peaceful space? That, that question alone is really changing the narrative of what where someone's at because I believe what you focus on grows. Right. So if people from both sides of the line can focus on peace and unity and being kind and having empathy and compassion towards each other and remaining human and remembering that it's our humanity and our empathy that can lead us to a better not only a better city, state, country, but world, I think that's very important right now because we're so focused on hate and the bad things that are happening, which trust me, there are a lot of bad things happening and it's very easy to get swept up by that. But if we want to build a better future, it's important that we focus on the values that will take us there and a vision that will take us there. And I believe very deeply that art is one way that can speak to all people, no matter who they voted for, because ultimately people are voting for, you know, in general, I mean, the masses are voting for people who are going to help their family or who they think will help, you know, their city or family or neighborhood or whatever. And whether that's right or wrong, it's just we have a bipartisan system. So that's just what we have right now. But I think if we can get people to think bigger and to have a, a new vision going forward, revolved around unity and peace and doing small things daily to help, you know, first you have to love yourself before you can love your neighbor. So there's a lot of that woven in as well. Um, and just trying to help people become the best version they can be so that they can help impact their neighborhood within one mile of where they live ultimately. 
Well, I think that that's very powerful that instead of, you know, trying to ask, instead of asking questions that might have solidified a particular person's um, uh, membership in, you know, a political party or solidifying their position on, on a certain issue, you opened it up to, hey, how do we unify? How do we, instead of uh, bifurcating, instead of separating, how do we unify? And I, I, I hear what you're saying, and it sounds like that was a very powerful way to approach this and made people think in a different way that, oh, well, we're, we're not just here to, um, you know, take sides. And, it, you know, the bigger picture is how do we, uh, you know, okay, fine, there, people are going to be taking sides, but how do we combine our strengths and, to, um, mm. you know, to achieve something? And so, you know, you've created this idea among the people that you were listening to and, and talking to. Um, you know, the other thing that kind of struck me is that, that the thing about a documentary, you go in and you basically, you know, you had an idea, you turned on the camera, and then it just kept evolving. Certainly. Mm -hmm. and, and so then, so then you stopped filming in January of 2017. And yeah. now here we are five and a half years later. Uh, yeah. you had an opportunity to shape the movie through editing that, um, and, and so in doing that, did you, um, you know, did you try to keep it honest to what you actually filmed? Did you try to shape it into something else? You know, what was that editing process like? Yeah. You know, it, um, gosh, it, we could do a whole hour long session. <laughs> uh, right. Five and a half know, years in 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> like, I'll try to give like a synopsis of what happened in five and a half years and basically less than five minutes. Uh, <laughs> but the way that it went was in the beginning, we had footage, um, tons of footage and we didn't really have a film, but we had like, a lot of footage and so we thought well this is like kind of like an avant-garde art project film thing you know not really a movie not really like maybe we could just it could be like a static thing um and so that's what it was in the beginning and then we a, a team in cleveland actually we played a show at the rock and roll hall of fame uh and the next night we played a small intimate show for like less than 50 people we met a guy there who heard our song One Mile and was really moved, connect us with a team in Cleveland who helped us kind of assemble the first part of the movie, a Garage Creative out of Cleveland, Ohio. And they really thought, okay, you guys have got good stuff here, but you, I think what you're trying to do is you're trying to actually make a film. So in order to do that, we need, you know, we need to do this. We need to do interviews. We need to do other things because – you know, we were amateur filmmakers and it was very rough and very kind of ad hoc in the first couple of, uh, you know, in, in the first couple of months of shooting it. And so we need something to kind of balance and ground the film. So we did interviews. We interviewed a senator from um, Ohio. We interviewed different thought leaders. Um, and then we kind of had like uh, the beginnings of a film. And then that was, you know, that was still three and a half years ago. So then the film kind of went on a journey after that um, that, you know, went from different hands. It came into my hands for a very long time where I had to kind of work on the timeline and then um, brought in. And it kind of bounced around my hands and I was looking at other films structure to see how do other directors go at making documentaries and learning and really educating myself on the process as well. Right, right. And. And then I and then we brought on a um, then we brought on a producer from Los Angeles who was really young guy actually from the Midwest as well Middlebury area and um, who moved out to Los Angeles and so there's another local connection there and um, and then he but he had his, he had a lot of concerns about the film he he was very worried about you know that it wasn't really gelling it wasn't really communicating the message yet and so he brought his talents in and and then that began a two and a half you know, year and a half journey with him um, to ultimately bring the film along to where it is. So what we had to do as far as keeping the narrative close to what actually happened, we, I assembled at a time, a four and a half hour version of the film, which is basically the film with no narrative. Um, and we tried 
everybody watched it. Everybody, you know, reflected on what the message was, the timeline, how is this, you know, how can this be chronologically correct? And we kept everything as close as we could chronologically to the story. At the same time, you know, big things would happen. And so it's only as crazy as it's only an 88 minute film. So you have to kind of focus in on what it is you want to focus on because there's so many things, so many things that happen during that journey. So then we had to kind of identify the pillars of the film. And then we, once we had the pillars of the film, it was like, okay, how do we tie this all together? And And um, I feel like at that point, for me in the making of the film, I felt like I really was fighting really hard the authentic voice and story of the film because so much had happened that it was easy for us to go in different ways and maybe cater more to where we're at culturally now. Right. But the issue with that is that if you if you're changing essentially what really happened to, to pander to what's happening culturally, you could just keep doing that forever. So I said essentially to the guys, I was like, look, we've got this film, we've got the authentic voice of it, which is above whatever's happening because it's unifying. It's based off of unity and peace building and narrative building and and moving forward in a bigger conceptual idea just pushing everything forward from what actually happened, which was very difficult to conceptualize at the time because there's so many elements of the story. So all three of us had to really get together and whittle down what is the authentic voice of this and how did, why does that matter now? Like, what about this is relevant and how, you know, we had to pull those pieces out but keep the real story. Yeah, yeah, right. So this is what I was thinking about that by the time you went to go edit it, you shaped it to be a little bit more timely in terms of what you now know to have been the case. Uh, but uh, it sounds like you you avoided that pitfall by really focusing on keeping it true to, you know, what you actually saw and what you heard. And um, yeah. I, I think that that was a terrific decision. It sounds really great. Did you, uh, so, uh, in, um, in putting this together, um, you know, do you have any thoughts on, uh, doing this again? I mean, it sounds like, you know, you've done a very good job here. Is this something that uh, you can see yourself doing again or, um, yeah, we, we've definitely towed our, put our, our toes into the in the water there and kind of thought about what that next project would be we kind of have an idea of maybe uh, a project that we would pitch to people but we also know that oh man it's um you know the amount of debt that we had to take on to do it um, (laughs) you know we were just i mean there was a time like at the eight month mark i'm pretty sure it was just like swipe and run with credit card i mean we were just like surviving by the you know by the skin on our teeth and you know pumping everything that we could into this film and that literally and then we were able to kind of like survive for a couple of years and then pay off a little bit of that debt but then also be investing in the film and investing in travel to continue to grow the film and so um that was really scary uh you know right <laughs> right uh, but, the way that I say is in your in your twenties, like go ahead, you know, like have fun with it, do some crazy stuff, make some huge mistakes, and you can still recover. And you know, but um, we definitely would do it again. But we know that there's probably a process that we would want to follow, and that's something yeah. that we've met and gone to the different film festivals and talked to different filmmakers about future films. Is that you know the consensus that they had is you've done this film, it's been successful, you've created now something is very easy to share with potential investors going forward if they would want to work on a film with you. And so you could have a salary, you could have, you know, like a normal life and still be making film. This film is a very much um, uh, a supported art form. And so it's something that we've considered, but man, we've learned so much that we know that there are many things that we can avoid uh, along the way in order to make the next one. But also yeah. we've learned a lot of skills. Uh, that we can use to make that next one even uh, maybe not better. I I think this film's really good, but to make it different, and, yeah, um, to to grow. I'll, I'll give you a little hint about what it would be about. It would be 
there would be a lot about Mother Earth and where we're headed right now. Ah, okay. sounds good. Uh, well, I will <laughs> say that, um, you know, there's only so many movies you can make about the two of you traveling around and playing in concerts, you know? I mean, there's yeah. a, a limit on, on uh, you know, audience acceptance of that kind of thing. So, yeah. um, and and you're not slowing down with your musical career either. I mean, we were just talking about um, the breakdown song that you guys just came out with. Was this some? Was this a song that you created uh, during COVID or as part of a bigger album? You know, what's the origin of the breakdown song? Yeah. So um, there was a time period, and this goes back to the film as well. So breakdown has a huge moment um, in the film. Um, there's a really important um, piece that you'll see in the film about, uh, you know, it, it's this Texas and because when you see it in the film, you know, you'll know more about it. Like, so, hey, hey, hey real quick, I think your phone is breaking up a little bit. Oh, John, can you hear him okay? Yeah, yeah, there, we are having that problem today, but uh, I was just okay. checking my know. phone to see if maybe there was a, you know, it was on a weak signal, and mine's not, so... Yeah, this is okay. just the magic you, of uh, of cellular phones. This is it is. I just want to make sure you could hear, or if he needed to move or go outside or somewhere closer. Yeah, I don't know, uh, Nathaniel. I couldn't even begin to suggest it. It's the kind of thing. As soon as you start talking about there being that issue, like, then all of a sudden oh, it goes away, and then you're like, "Oh, what were we trying yes, to?" Yes, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see if he could do something. Yeah, I'm going to try. I'll see if this makes it a little bit better, but I'll continue what I was saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, so Breakdown, um, the song was actually composed during COVID, um, and it was part of a, the film had taken on kind of its trajectory. We kind of knew where it was headed as far as the film and the storyline and the hero's journey and all the elements of the film that we wanted to make happen. And so when we went into COVID, it was kind of a blessing because there was a ton of time to reflect and a lot of time to um, think about the film. We had lost the gig that we were opening for One Republic, and now we had been given this blessing with focus on the film and just kind of get it to the finish line. And so songs that was written, I had a whole template of songs that I really wanted to develop uh, in order to make the film the best it could be. And I was like, okay, we need a song that's, you know, emotionally triggering. And we need something that's, like, really heartfelt and, like, makes you want to cry. We need a song that's, you know, going to be, like, rocking. We need a song that's, you know, 145 BPM. We need – so it was, like, because I had that time to write songs that existed all over the place um, and really go in-depth with those writings, um, that was one of the songs that just kind of – I wrote about 52 songs during COVID and uh, <laughs> that was one that kind of stood out because it just clicked. The message kind of clicked. The music was clicking with the lyrics and everything just kind of fired. Um, and then we sent it to our producer in London and he was like, man, I really like, this is a really cool sounding track. And, um, and it just kind of was one of those effortless things that out of all the ones that were written, that one just kind of took off and, and, and just seamlessly it went into the film it, Everybody who was listening to it really enjoyed it, and so it was. It was really cool to see how that song, and then to bring it, you know, with the music video out in the last two weeks, has been really cool because it's it's all connected to the journey of the film and also the writing of the of the songs. And um, yeah, it was very much. And also thinking about you know the break. Really hard um, on musicians, but also you know everybody else and the world as well i mean this is something that most people have not lived through and so we're living through a very tedious and also uncertain time and that song kind of touches on those those social issues as well as personal issues as well right now did the song breakdown have anything to do with you know using this same old car for all this time to as you're filming the the movie is it related <laughs> to that or not at all <laughs> i think um, that yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just about to say that as far as breakdown goes, I feel like it's a song that captured the way we felt losing 
pretty much everything for the last two years. Like we had all these dates. We we're going to open up for One Republic. We were really we had a lot of momentum with our album that we recorded in London happening, and then everything just came to a halt. And so, like uh. picking up the pieces as life's continuing and we're getting older, but we were it was like things are really coming together, and then it was totally debilitating for. Right. A bit there. I mean, I gotcha. Okay. I think a lot of people could relate with that in general, like, but particularly the arts and hospitality, we like got like slaughtered. Oh like, yeah. It was bad. That's right. That's probably the industries that got hit the hardest, uh, especially the yeah. entertainment industry, because just everything shut down and people were, you know, trying to, to move to other media mediums to, to get their music yeah. out there and, but, you know, mm-hmm. nothing really took hold and, and nothing's going to replace, you know, a live performance in a venue in front of a lot of people and, uh, you know, totally. as, as much as people tried. So that, that yeah. I, and there was no end in sight either. I mean, you know, he talked about, right. oh, well, we're going to only be, we got to stay home for two weeks. Okay, everyone's staying home for two weeks. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then <gasps> that kept going and, and uh, you know, concerts getting canceled and, and uh, tickets being refunded and just on oh, and yeah, on. I, over I, and over again. Oh, yeah. And, it was know, a mess. It was a real mess, yes. So yeah. uh, it, it uh, you know, that kind of, of uh, just tragedy and, uh, and difficulty, I mean, it, it's the kind of thing that spawns art, I would think. So to, to hear that you wrote 52 songs during the you know the time of uh the pandemic it, it's in one way it's not surprising in another way it's just like uh just remarkable <laughs> that um you know you took all of that that uh, stagnant energy of not being able to perform and uh rerouted it into creative juices and um yeah so what are you going to do with the rest of those 52 songs are, are you guys putting yeah, together yeah, an yeah. album or? <laughs> That's Actually, um, I was just having a conversation with with uh, somebody uh, yesterday about this. But I basically um, I've launched a solo project called Nathaniel Paul, which I've been releasing music through, which has been really fun. Songs that are kind of maybe quirky and strange or demo e sounding or whatever, and um, been releasing those on Spotify. But I also uh, we also have probably this record and another record um, that we'll be releasing next year. Uh, that will be coming from all those songs. So it takes time to put them out there. You know, I just didn't want to dump them all out there because, you know, the funniest, the, the hardest yeah. quote that I have seen musician posts and that we've talked about with other musicians on the road was like, you know, oh yeah, I released an album in the middle of 2021, which was like, you know, still, you know, right in the heart of the pandemic. And uh, it was the worst decision I ever made. And, you know, so there was this feeling as well, which is like, you know, we all this stuff was written, but without the ability to tour and go out and support it, what effect does it really have? And and so we wanted to kind of taper this stuff out to not just put it out there and then move on to our next thing. Right. So well, that brings up another really- issue is that uh, these days the the um, the economics of music is not necessarily what it used to be, which was to, exactly. uh, you know, create an album. And then it, it, in order to try to sell the album, you would go out on tour. It's almost the opposite where you create an oh, album, totally. you get an interest – and then people are like, oh, hey, they're coming to town. I'm going to get a ticket for that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Everything's been turned down its head. I will say, though, that I don't – I think that predated uh, the pandemic and doesn't really have anything to do with the pandemic. But Agreed. Uh, I agree with that. I do think that the one thing that's made it extra difficult, and we're seeing it out here in real time in numbers, is those of us who, after you know the worst of the pandemic, are back out on the road – like we just finished this three month tour up. I don't think people are necessarily uh, thinking about what it's done to musicians in a sense of how insane it is to fill up our tank, like to go from one place to the next. I mean, we're all feeling that, but if you live, if you have a house and you're able to drive your car to work and then go home, like what it's like to go across the country and uh, our expenses have gone up like, Oh, like right. almost three times. Well, gas is a good twice as much as it probably was when you guys were doing the movie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Doing that yeah. Tour. I mean, it, I that's just gotten crazy. That film. 
I couldn't imagine trying to do that film. Uh, no. Right. Affairs. It would be, uh, you know, but that's part of the, the magic of making a documentary is you're capturing a moment in time. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and it just so happens that that moment in time was a really, really important time to remember because it now looking back, it really does feel like the beginning of where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, uh, you know, that's the beauty of the film. And, also, the tragedy of film as well, because you watch it and you're like, gosh, in some ways it felt more simple. It felt like there was a, you know, like, I want to go back to that time. But at the same time, you know, we're moving forward. And, and uh, but it's, you know, we're living through, like you said, with the gas. I mean, it's just things are changing <laughs> rapidly. And, um, you know, somebody asked at one of the film festivals uh, to another uh, to another artist that we were watching, a director, and they said, you know, 30 years from now, how do you want your film to be remembered? And, um, you know, I, that just got me thinking a little bit about our film and, you know, just thinking about the idea that, you know, parts of art, you know, it's it's I think art really starts to make sense to people when you consider the context. You know, when you when you see a painting, but you know what the painter was going through when that happened, the social things that were happening, I think that it makes it more important. And I think that this film, when people know kind of the history of what was happening during the time, to see a film like this in that particular moment made in this particular style, I think it is not only a good movie for its social implications and for its message, but also just for its time capsule, like it's good to remember what was happening in a very organic sense during that time in history in the United States. And, um, and I, so I think that there's a, there's a historical implication to it, but I also think that there's a messaging implication as well. And, um, and I think that we only understand that through retrospect and the further away we get from 2016 and this, the filming of it, we realize I've realized the importance of it in, in reminding people of, you know, uh, where things are going and, and hopefully how we can continue to work together amidst a very divisive time in, uh, in this country. Right. Now, what kind of lessons do you think uh, we can all take from this time capsule that you guys have mm-hmm. captured like that? I would start by saying it's very important for not only Americans, but people around the world who are watching this as well, to just remember that humans are very powerful and that we don't really necessarily know that we have power to make change because we're so exhausted or people are working, they have kids and they're doing this and running these places, but there can be so much that can happen through small changes that can make a person happier and then ultimately the people around them better you know, learning to love yourself more is one of the biggest takeaways because I think a lot of people, you know, they're on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook and they're seeing all these other people's lives and they're like, oh man, my life isn't that great. I don't really like myself or, you know, I don't like the way I look. And, and I try and remind people that, you know, society profits on people not liking themselves. Like, so liking yourself really is a revolutionary act and loving yourself is even better because from that love, you're able to generate love for other people and reach out and do things for your family, for your friends, for your community, for strangers. And so I I have a lot of hope in my heart because in general, people are really good. The news is only sharing stuff they say in the media and journalism world that if it bleeds, it leads. They're sharing that's stuff right. that's the worst of the worst. Yeah, they're just trying and to you know get listeners or, or viewers. Exactly. They make money when people tune in on both sides, yeah. both political spectrums. So, you know, the biggest thing is be aware, but don't be on the news 24-7. You know, be aware of what's going on, but you don't have to be reading it all the time and consuming it all the time. And just try and make yourself better and try and make the people in your house better and help them and your community better within a mile of where you live. And if everybody did that, the world would be a better place. We just have to remember that we're powerful and we can, we can be the actionable. We can be the active prayer in the world. Our actions can be that and we can make this world a better place. And actually the power is on our hands, not in the 0.1%. It's actually in the mass people that have the power, but we don't remember that. And we give our power away all the time. Right. Yeah. So, and I think that, 
Um, one of the things I wanted to add as well, and it's real short and, you know, talking about how, what are the takeaways from the film that people can walk away with? That was something that we very much were intentional about how we ended the film. Uh, we wanted to make sure that the message, that there was a message that people could really, you know, walk away and say, okay, I get it. I get what, like, this has inspired me, but it's inspired me because of this. And I think of the last quote, um, there's a young woman from Atlanta and she's just standing around the car and she just gets really kind of emotional and just like she's just speaking the truth like she just seems like her her soul's on fire for the kind of the message and everything and so and she says it so well that you know that the car in the end of the film the car becomes this symbol that there are people out there that care that there are people in this world who want to work together to bring about a better future and you know it inspired we hope that people become inspired through seeing that thing that's you know started as a simple idea and some sharpies and a car and a basic sketch of where we were going to go and it turned into this artwork where people could say hey you know this gives people hope because it makes what she says to quote her she's like out she wanted to go out into her own community and just do something and meet these people who signed the car because they're in every community across the country. And so when she saw the car, that's where we ended, you know, the film is kind of like really thinking about what we want people to walk away with. And what we hope is that they see the symbol that was created and say, wow, I want to forget the news, shut off my phone and go out and meet the people that live in this country that are, that have lifted up this cause. I know they live in my own community. I know they live in my own neighborhood. You know, they might even be my neighbor. I might not have ever met them. Um, and so we hope that people get inspired to rediscover their own community, their own world, their own neighbors and things like that. And I think that most of the time that's, I think, what people are walking away with. And that's just been so powerful to see that that message is coming across in the way that we intended it to. Well, it sounds like this movie is a catalyst for... Uh, bringing people together. You know, it's about bringing people together. It's about uh, unity and peace. And it sounds like it's got the effect of also bringing people together. And, and what a what a wonderful thing you guys have put together. What is Thank next you. with the movie? Do you guys have any uh, more film you. festivals that you're presenting at? Yes. So yeah? we are. <laughs> wow. We're always hustling the film festivals, but we'll be in New York in two weeks. And then we're still going to be touring throughout the Midwest. And then we'll head back to LA after all that wraps up. So the dream is to sell the film to Netflix or better somebody who really sees uh, the yeah. vision and understands it. Yeah. And Netflix is, you know, they've got their, uh, their whole catalog of documentaries and um, they're always very interesting. And you guys have proved through your awards that you've gotten, that uh, this is a movie that that people should be seeing. I'm, I for one, am very excited well, to see you. this on uh, Thursday. I I don't know if it was if it is available to see other than um, you know where you sh where you show it, uh, like if it's available on YouTube or anything like that. No, but it's not. Nothing like yeah. that yet. Wow. Okay. Nothing so no. this is. Well, if you're not, but we'll send a little secret out. Um, if you're unable to attend on Thursday, and uh, we're going to do another showing in South Bend in the fall. Oh, good. Oh, Bend great. Yep. Excellent. Yep. So we're always we're trying to do the best we can to make it available to people who have supported us along the way, and obviously the Michiana community is a huge part of that. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, so we're you know we're still staying busy and uh, <laughs> hustling. We're hustling. Yeah, you guys are. <laughs> That's great. Well, again, it was a pleasure talking to you guys and looking forward to the film on Thursday, uh, our Q&A after the film. And um, it sounds like you're also going to play a couple of uh, acoustic songs during the event at the Acorn. And then you've got a full concert going on with your regular band uh, yep. at Music in the yep. Park, Dewey Cannon Park in Three Oaks on Saturday. So yep, 6.30 p.m., weekend. and that's free. And this is kind of your hometown. I mean, this is uh, just a little oh, yeah. outside of your hometown, but I think it draws people from, uh, um, you know, your high school days. and. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
And I think what um, we tell people is uh, for that show, what we say is, uh, you know, it's free. It's be, you know, bring bring your own food, bring a picnic basket, whatever. And it's just a fun time to kick out and relax and listen to some music uh, during a, you know, a beautiful summer night. And uh, it's such a fun time to do that and uh, just celebrate music because ultimately that's what brought us here. So we uh, we're just so thankful to get back to the community and just bring people a show that they can enjoy a little bit of the uh, the summer evening, if you will. Yeah. And John, thank you so much for having us on your show. I'm so happy that did, is this our third time, right? This is your third time. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, I do too. This is super cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again, and, and uh, this Jillian Spees and. Nathaniel Hoff, the Bergamot, uh, and again, they're um, playing their movie, State of the Unity, at uh, the Acorn Theater on Thursday, and then uh, playing a regular concert at Dewey Cannon Park in Three Oaks on Saturday. And thanks again, guys. Take it easy. Our pleasure. Thank you, John. And that was Jillian Spies and Nathaniel Hoff of the Bergamot. Um, Always a pleasure to talk to those guys. You've been listening to Johnny Secret Stash, and I'm John Goldman, and you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and 93.5 FM WRHZ out of Sawyer, Michigan. Um, And uh, again, we are underwritten by uh, Karis Cottages. Um, Karis Cottages are one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs located within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at karascottages.com. That's Karas and Cottages with a K. Good night, everybody.